Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship for the fifth Sunday in Lent. And a very special welcome this morning to Leslie and Alistair's daughter, Victoria, who is visiting us for a few weeks, I think, Victoria. So it's lovely to see you, and we hope you really enjoy this time with your parents. Our service this morning will be led uh, by our minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices, hopefully, of Sylvia and of Dr. Beth. Our musician this morning is Paul. And in just a moment, Nikan and Nikiar and their family will light our candle. Uh, just a real reminder that we will share in communion this morning. Uh, so please remember to have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point in the service. Then at 7 p.m. we gather again on Zoom for our evening reflection, which this week will be led by Helen Stimson. And this will be the fifth of our Lenten reflections based on the musical Hamilton. And again, just a wee reminder about our Lent appeal on behalf of Glasgow City Mission. You'll find the link to our Just Giving page in the new edition of the key that you should have got just earlier this week by email. And then just one or two pieces of important family news. Um, it's lovely that Sheila's with us today. And you'll have seen from the key that we had the sad news this week that Sheila's fiance, John, had died. Sheila has let us know that his funeral will be held in Yorkshire on Thursday, the 14th of April at 12.20. And that service will be live streamed so that anyone who wants to be part of that service can uh, join the live stream. I'll email you that link as soon as we have it. And then in happier news, we want to say congratulations to Katrina H on being appointed to her new post with the Scottish Bible Society. Congratulations, Katrina, that is wonderful news. And we hope that you will really enjoy your work with them. And then the lovely news that Tamara and Hannah are expecting their second child in August, and Marit and Tom are expecting their first baby uh, in the autumn. So we rejoice with them in that good news, and of course we'll remember them all in our prayers. So over now to Nikan and Nikiar and their family to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is a light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
let's come to God in prayer. We pray together. Faithful God, day and night, season by season, and year by year, you are completely dependable. Whether we are aware of your presence or not, you watch over the whole of your creation in love. Having declared all things good, we dare to believe that you continue to delight in all that is good, lovely and life-giving. And so in a few moments of quiet, we pause to offer you our private thanks for the people, the places and the everyday experiences that this week have brought us joy, delight and pleasure. Forgiving God, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, your love is unending. Whether we are aware of your presence or not, you watch over your whole creation in mercy. We believe that you sent your only son into the cosmos, not to condemn it, but to redeem it. And so in a few moments of quiet, we pause to offer you our private confessions for the things done and the things not done, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that we now regret. Freedom giving God, yesterday and today, tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow, you give us life. Whether we are aware of your presence or not, you watch over your whole creation in hope. We choose to trust in your promise that one day all things will be made new, that death and sorrow and sin will be no more, and love will reign forevermore. In a few moments of quiet, we offer to you our private hopes and dreams, not just our personal aspirations, but also those for the world of which we are part. Triune God, creating, redeeming and sustaining all things, we offer our prayers in the name of our Saviour and friend, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Our reading today is taken from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 35, and 18, verses 31 to 34. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her broods under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you will say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles, And he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. And after they have flogged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But they understood nothing about all these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. The context of our readings today sets them firmly in Galilee, and that suggests there are all kinds of witnesses whose voices we never hear. And it would be really easy. I could have chosen as my silent witness was one of the 12 or somebody in the wider group of disciples. I could have chosen one of the Pharisees or maybe even at a slight stretch, I could have chosen Herod. But I'm going to take a little bit of a risk today and use two implied silent witnesses, namely God and the devil. But before I do that, let me explain what prompted it. When I explained that we were going to look at the temptations Jesus experienced in the wilderness through the the lens of a, a silent witness, One Baptist minister come theologian I know quite well said, well, why don't you do it from the perspective of the devil? Uh, And my reply was, well, the devil isn't silent in that story. 
But we are told that Jesus is left alone until what is described as an opportune time. Which does suggest that the devil is a credible silent witness to everything else that's happened in the story. Last week, I was chatting to another Baptist minister theologian about the same series and mentioned I wasn't quite sure who my silent witness might be for the last story. And they said, well, what about God? And I thought, yeah, what about God? Because surely God has witnessed everything that's been happening. And despite a few supernatural utterances, God has been largely silent. So I should say before I go any further, I am not going to attempt any theology of the devil or Satan or as I'm going to refer to that character, the tempter. Nor am I going to try any theology of God. Rather, they are two characters within a scene that I'm going to imagine that may just speak into the events described by Luke. There is a biblical precedent for such an approach in the book of Job, which majority of scholars believe to be mythical, and from which I have borrowed some words and some images. Now, if you're not very comfortable with the idea of God and the devil or the tempter being the witnesses to the events we're going to look at today, then maybe just think of them as the inner voices of good and evil or the internal wrestling of conscience that Jesus may have experienced. But I'm going to give it a go because, as I say from time to time, you can only sack me once. One day, the heavenly messengers came to present themselves to God and a tempter came with them. God said to the tempter, where have you come from and what have you been doing? The tempter replied, from roaming the earth and going to and fro in it. Then God said, have you considered my son, Jesus of Nazareth? There's no one else like him. And in him, I am well pleased. Oh, him, said the tempter. Mm. That reminds me, I've been waiting for the right time to test him again. And with that, the tempter went out from the sight of God. God and the tempter each took up their positions. As far apart as possible. And yet, at the same time, so close together, it was almost impossible to tell which was which. They turned their eyes towards Galilee and watched as a group of Pharisees came to Jesus with a message to tell him to stop what he was doing and to get away because Herod, the notional king, wanted to kill him. Aha, thought the tempter, this is my chance. And drawing close to Jesus, he began to whisper in his ear, you really should get away, you know, it's game over. And if you leave now, you can just live out a quiet life. It was tempting, really tempting. And it certainly seemed as if the Pharisees were being kind and caring, warning him about impending danger. Perhaps he should go away, at least for a while, and wait till all the fuss died down. But then he recalled another voice, 
one that had spoken at his baptism and had said, you are my son. I am so proud of you. No, he said. Go and tell that cunning, conniving, so-called king that I have work to do today and tomorrow. Once I have completed my work, then I will be on my way. God saw all that was happening, but God stayed silent. The tempter sneered and whispered again, and where will you go? Jerusalem? Jerusalem, he thought, and the memories came flooding back. The stories his mother had told him about Simeon and Adana, who had been so thrilled to see him when he was just a few days old. Those annual family pilgrimages to the temple. And then that year when he'd stayed behind three whole days of asking the scholars his questions, wondering what it really meant to follow the teaching of Moses or to understand the words spoken by the prophets of old. How he loved that city. It was so vibrant, so cosmopolitan, and yet was so confused and conflicted and, well, lost. Ah, Jerusalem, he said, how much I love you and all your people. How I wish I could protect you and keep you from harm. It's like a hen with her chicks. She senses danger and spreads her wings wide to shelter them. That's what I'd like to be able to do. God quietly smiled. Such a gentle, beautiful image. So earthly, so domestic. And yet so strong. <laughs> said the tempter. A hen indeed. I will go away, Jesus said, but not away from Herod and not away from Jerusalem. And you will see me again when people recall the song of our forebears. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So that day and the next day, and indeed the days after that, he carried on as normal. He visited the home of a Pharisee to discuss points of Torah. He told many stories about coins and sheep, fathers and son, a widow and a judge, a rich man and a poor beggar. He reminded his followers how tough it would be to join his movement. He healed people with skin diseases. He blessed little children. And he had a significant conversation with a rich young man. And all the time, God was watching, smiling, nodding, loving. And all the time, the tempter was watching, scowling plotting, scheming. One morning after breakfast, Jesus called together the 12 
and announced that they were setting off for Jerusalem, where he would be handed over to foreigners, tormented, beaten and killed. God wept silently. The point of no return was now so very near. The tempter silently smirked. Surely now his moment had come. Strangely, Jesus spoke in the third person. It was not himself he spoke about, it seemed, though no one was deceived. Today we will go, tomorrow he will be killed, and the third day he will once again stand up alive and well. The tempter was aghast. How could his victim simply state this as a matter of fact? And how dare he speak of the third day as one of rising? He had no words left to speak. Through the tears, God smiled and whispered so quietly that no one else might hear. This is my son with whom I am so very, very pleased. Another day dawned and the heavenly messengers came to present themselves to God and the tempter came with them. God said to the tempter, where have you come from? The tempter replied, from roaming the earth and going to and fro in it. Then God said, have you considered my son, Jesus of Nazareth? There's no one like him and in him I'm well pleased. You have tried time and again to lure him away from me, yet he has remained steadfast and true. Harumph, said the tempter. He's not yet faced death. When that day comes, we will see what he decides. And the tempter went out from the presence of God. God and the tempter took up their positions as far apart as possible. Yet at the same time, so close together, it was almost impossible to tell which was which. And they turned their eyes towards Jerusalem. To the Mount of Olives. To a hill named the Skull. And to a garden where there lay an unused tomb. And the tempter cackled a cruel, harsh sound. And God was silent, watching, waiting, aching, allowing the tears to fall, yet knowing that while love remained, all was not nor ever could be lost. Knowing that the third day would come and that in the end, love wins. Sometimes it feels as if God is not only silent, but that God might be absent. Sometimes it feels as if the tempter or evil, or sin, may have all the power. Luring reasonable people into destructive paths, 
defeating our best attempts at justice, truth and love. Thwarting or intercepting our prayers, which may feel as if they bounce off the ceiling unheard. For now, it is still today. Tomorrow, the story continues. And the third day? The day when life springs up new, when death and fear and sin are finally overcome. For now, we join with those in the Polish ghettos who prayed. I believe in the sun when it doesn't shine. I believe in love when I cannot feel love. I believe in God, though God be silent. For now, whether we are aware of it or not, God is a silent witness, watching over our broken world in love. And with Desmond Tutu, we can say these words. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. Victory is ours through him who loves us. In the midst of the mess and muddle of everyday life, God says to us, in a voice so soft that we may barely perceive it, This is my son, who I love. Listen to him. Amen.
we prepare to bring our prayers to God, I'm going to first read the lyrics of a song that was written in the mid-1980s by somebody called Julie Gold and seems to resonate with some of the ideas I've been thinking about this week. From a distance, the world looks blue and green and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance, the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice of peace. It's the hope of everyone. From a distance, we all have enough and no one is in need. And there are no guns, no bombs and no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. From a distance, we are instruments marching in a common band, playing songs of hope, playing songs of peace. They're the songs of everyone. From a distance, you look like my friend, even though we're at war. From a distance, I cannot comprehend what all this fighting is for. From a distance, there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It's the hope of hopes. It's the love of loves. It's the heart of everyone. And God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Let us pray. God who watches over all creation and calls us to work with you for good, we bring you our prayers for the world of which we are part, trusting that although you are silent, you are active. We pray with our siblings in BMS World Mission who yearn for the emergence of abundant life, and are committed to enabling not just individuals, but whole communities to flourish. With them, we ask their work to bear fruit through renewed spiritual life, nutrition, safety from abuse, shelter, just relationships, and a sustainable and sustaining physical environment. Throughout the world, but this week, especially in places such as Guinea, Uganda, India and Mozambique. We pray with and for our Baptist siblings across Europe and for those of other faiths and none, responding to the needs of those fleeing Ukraine. We pray too for ordinary Russian citizens and for the citizens of neighbouring Belarus, Poland, Hungary and Finland. We pray with our siblings in the Baptist Union of Scotland who are part of Quanton in Stirling, Cowell in Danoon and Cowden Beath Baptist Churches as they seek to bear witness and to serve in their local communities. We pray for those who serve as chaplains, supporting people in times of vulnerability and need. Thinking especially of Stuart Murdoch at Strathcarran Hospice and Al Nicol in the RAF. 
We pray for our siblings here at Hillhead, giving thanks for those who take care of the complexities of managing our finances, ensuring bills and subscriptions are paid, insurance and licenses in place, charitable donations made and so much more. From our weekly diary, we pray for Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Dr Beth, Mary, Janet and Roger, Joyce, Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, and John E. We remember all who mourn, especially thinking of Sheila and asking you to comfort her. And all who are sick, for Ian following his accident, for Joyce and Morag following injury, for all those currently affected by COVID, asking that they will all recover fully. God who watches over all creation and who calls us to work with you for good, Accept these our prayers and empower us by your spirit to work for their outworking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Finally, we join with Christians across the United Kingdom in a prayer for Passion Sunday from Christian Aid. God of all peoples and nations, who created all things alive and breathing, united and whole. Show us the way of peace that is your overwhelming presence. We hold before you the peoples of Ukraine and Russia, every child and every adult. We long for a time when weapons of war are beaten into plowshares, when nations no longer lift up sword against nation. We cry out to you for peace. Protect those whose only desire is to live in security and safety. Comfort those who fear for their lives and the lives of their loved ones. Be with those who are bereaved. Change the hearts of those set on violence and aggression and fill leaders with the wisdom that leads to peace. Kindle again in us the love of our neighbour, the passion for justice justice to prevail, and in renewed recognition that we all play a part in peace. Creator of all, hear our prayer and bring us peace. Make us whole. Amen.
God is a silent witness watching over us as we gather for worship. Christ is a silent host present among us, even though we are physically scattered. The Holy Spirit is the silent comforter, embracing each one of us in our vulnerability and need. Here is a mystery. God is all at once, far beyond the furthest reaches of the universe and closer than our own heartbeat. Christ is all at once the eternal redeemer and saviour and the vulnerable, time-bound Jesus of Nazareth. The Spirit is all at once the sustainer of all things and the inner voice that speaks God's truth. And here is another mystery. We, in our frail and finite humanity, are together the body of Christ. Joined together with all other believers throughout the world and throughout all ages, in communion with one another and with God. Here, in the everyday of food and drink, we catch a glimpse of the heavenly banquet prepared for all as we recall and remember the story that shapes our lives. As has been our practice over the last few months, we hear again the words as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a loaf of bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, this cup is poured out for you, and it is a new covenant in my blood. Let us pray. God, who has watched over all creation since before time began. We thank you for the mystery of the stories we share. Jesus, who lived among us as one of us. We thank you for the ordinary everyday symbols of bread and wine, food and drink. Spirit who soothes and stirs, inspires and encourages us, encourages. Help us as we remember and as we share to find new courage, new hope and new strength for the days ahead. Amen. Jesus took bread and having given thanks, he broke it and shared it with his friends and asked them when they broke bread to remember. So let us remember as we eat together.
Jesus took a cup of wine and said, this is the seal of the new covenant made in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. So let's drink as a sign of our unity and our desire to follow Jesus. Entering our world, you shared our life. Entering our life, you defeated death. Entering eternal life, you give us new hope. Glory be to you, Lord Christ. Amen. As we go from here back to our everyday lives, may we be assured that God watches over us, that Jesus walks with us, and the Holy Spirit comforts us, not just today, tomorrow, or even the next day, but for always. Amen.